Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back. This is Masters of Modern. This is Alex Kessler, and I'm here with Ben Bateman. How you guys doing? And today our special guest is the wonderful Jimmy Wong. Greetings. How are you guys doing? You're coming from the Command Cast. Yeah, that's right. We talk about Commander, not this modern thing that you guys right. seem to discuss. So today we actually have two cool things we're going to talk about. First, uh, we're going to be talking about our top ten favorite red cards. We picked this one especially for you, Jimmy Wong. In I know the modern format. Well, ten favorite red cards in the modern format. I'm definitely the biggest fan of the color red. I think it's my spirit color. And I heard you have your nickname is Jimmy the Red. Is it that is, true? That's the, my nickname. And we also made a podcast called Top Ten Red Cards for Commander. So. Oh, wow. Uh, I'd like so to see like, what you, I mean, obviously the cards are going to be different, um, but I, I want to see what um, crosses the bounds and, and makes both lists. This is going to be pretty hilarious because I have a feeling uh, Kessler and I are going to debate our lists here and Jimmy's going to kind of sound off his opinion on it. And yep. I have a feeling that I'm going to have some different cards than Kessler. I have some cute cards oh, on the yeah. list here. You're yeah. a little cuter than I am. <laughs> I think, the, I think how, the, how the format goes of two hosts, one should have cuter choices than the other one. So it's much more interesting that way, so... All right. Let so the battle begin. Yeah, let the battle begin. So we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna say each of our top ten. We're gonna go. I'm gonna say my tenth on the list. Ben's gonna say his tenth on the list, and we're gonna work our way down. So nice. for my, Bef- let me just cut you off there for one okay. second, Kessler. I think before we get started, it should be pointed out that the construction of these lists was kind of deliberate in a certain way. There's obviously forty to sixty red cards in modern that are very, very good. The question is only what are the intrinsically powerful ten red cards in the format? Not, for instance. A good example that may be on your list, but Splinter Twin didn't make my list because Splinter Twin really only exists as a powerful card in one deck. Interesting. As opposed to other cards that you would find could be played in multiple decks and have powerful effects. Well, I think all these are excellent things to bring up when you guys actually start talking about why certain cards are there because I, I, I saw Alex's face flash up well, I mean, fear I think, I think as to a certain card wasn't on your list. <laughs> <laughs> Saying where we're coming from, I think I, I kind of applied mine for cards that have had the most significant effect on the modern format and are overtly the most powerful and I think my list are just the 10 most powerful cards in modern. That's fair. Well, we, let's 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 why don't we get started with your number ten, and we can see where we go. All from right. There. So my yeah. number ten, um, and I actually my t- the tenth, the last thing on the list was kind of hard to come by, but I picked Past in Flames. Past in Flames is the modern uh, version of Yagmas Will, one of the most broken cards ever printed. Um, it is also kind of one of the staple cards in the Storm deck. One of the ma- reasons that Storm has kind of survived for as long as it has. I'll read it out for the the listeners. Past in Flames, three in red. It's a mythic rare sorcery from Innistrad. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn. The flashback cost is equal to its mana cost, and the sorcery itself has flashback for four in a red. You may cast this card from your graveyard for its flashback cost, then exile it. The card creates a chain where you can chain a bunch of uh, rituals that generate additional mana, like two mana for a spell that gives you three, several cantrips, and eventually if you time it correctly and you play a Past in Flames with mana available to you, you then can recast your entire graveyard a second time, often getting to 9, 10, or 11, 12 spells, and storming them out. So, like, I really debated putting this here, and it was between this and Gutshot, because I wanted to put one of the st- Storm marquee cards, but I figured that Gutshot, if it got banned, there'd still be Empty the Warrens, and it's debatable which one is really better, and if Gutshot's really the card. And so I picked to pick the engine card that would be bit in every Storm deck that will ever exist in the modern format as long as this card is around. That's really interesting. I Honestly... I came up with, I think, 55 cards to choose from in the modern <laughs> format, and Pass and Flames didn't even make my list of 55 cards. And I think it's because I remember playing against it when Storm was popular before the banning of uh, Seeding Song, and it always felt like it was a little slow. It was an incredibly powerful card within that 
deck, but I don't think that deck's as good anymore now that Seething Song is not around. And this card doesn't see play in any strategy or do anything other than just function as a piece of one combo deck, which for that reason just doesn't make it on my list. I mean, I don't know if you could say it's not strong. It was the best performing deck at the Pro Tour, Pro Tour Born of the Gods. And, you know, it was on the back of this card's power level. Agreed. Seething Song isn't the reason the deck is good. This deck is good because it has those three engine cards, and this is arguably the easiest if not most powerful blatantly i think that the i think that this card was not focused on by brewers i think this was not a deck that was expected to be as powerful as it was which is why it was able to show up in numbers as a winning deck i don't think it's something that's an obviously powerful top three top four top five deck let's, let's move on to your <laughs> let's jump to my number 10 <laughs> so you guys got? you know that i have a pension for this card guys and that card is Simeon Spirit Guide. It's, and, not, it's not Grand Architect? Is it? <laughs> uh, I wish I could have put Architect Simeon Spirit Guide. Oh, yes, this is a great card. I've actually seen this around. Two and a red, creature, ape, spirits, two, two. But really, it says, remove Simeon Spirit Guide in your hand from the game, add red to your mana pool. So now, here's the reason I think this card is so good. And we've seen this with Elvish Spirit Guide in the past in Legacy. Now, Modern doesn't have a deck that utilizes this card very powerfully. We don't see it show up very often. But as Alex and I talked about last week, there is such an enormously powerful effect to being able to generate two mana on turn one, especially in a format right now that could really be dominated if you could play a Chalice of the Void on turn one. This is your best option to do that. So I just think that it's one of those things that people say there's not enough redundancy with the effect, so it isn't popular in Modern. But I think if someone were to get... I mean, you did used to see this show up when people tried to play Dragon Stompy in Modern, so they mm -hmm. could power out, say, like a turn two Blood Moon. I just think getting that extra mana in any color, that's the amazing thing. It's not just a red card. You can play this card in a blue deck. You can play this card in a red deck and a green deck. You're always going to be able to jump ahead by one additional mana on turn one. It's the only card in Modern that allows you to do it other than Gemstone Caverns. So, I mean, it, in Modern, there has only been really one deck that, since its real inception, that's done semi-well with that, and that's the Gory of Vengeance decks. And even those haven't done that well, and this wasn't the most important card. It did allow them the combo on turn two, but it wasn't exactly their, like, if this card didn't exist, that deck would still be able to do what it was doing. It'd just be a turn slower. The, the last thing I'll add to this, just and we, then we can move on, because I don't think we need to talk about Simeon's spirit guy at length. <laughs> but uh, I had a conversation with our friend Eric uh, a while back, and we were discussing the top 10 most popular keyword mechanics in the history of Magic. In the end, we settled on split second as one of the most powerful effects. And the reason was because it obviously changes the way you play the game. You can't respond to it. In the same way... Though I don't think this card sees a lot of play, it's such a uniquely powerful effect in the context of card design. It's it's an underutilized card that I think if it found the right home, would be unmatched. Nothing else can do what it does. So that that's, in my opinion, why it's such a valuable card. But that's obviously, you know, hearsay. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Nope. My number 10 oh. for a commander. <laughs> I'm going, to, I'm going to mix mine and Josh's choices uh, to see if I can maybe uh, maybe make an impact here. It's, it's Blood Moon. That's an excellent card. It's yeah, we'll, we'll talk card. about that later. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Okay, good. One for one. Good. All right. All right. I made it. Commander, Commander card made it on to the uh, modern list. <laughs> All right, so number nine. Um, so for my number nine, I picked the red staple. I think this is one of the mm. marquee card from the marquee tribe of cards for red, and that is Goblin Guide. Excellent. Ah. Um, it. I, I almost actually took Goblin Guide off the list because I think there are somewhat more powerful burn spells out there, but it, sure. it felt wrong not letting him find his home of really historically and currently one of the best red cards in the format. Right. It's a one red for a 2-2 two -two Goblin Scout with haste. Uh, whenever Goblin Guide attacks, defending player reveals the top card of his or her library. It's a, if it's a land card, that player puts it into her, his or her hand. So Goblin Guide is number four on my list. Uh we, I, we obviously get to yours first, so we won't discuss my number four, but the reason that I think Goblin Guide is important to include, and I think it's so high, 
What other card can you play that gets two damage with a creature on the board on turn one on the play? Is there a, is there another card in modern that does it? Mm, like that can consistently attack f- longer afterwards. Maybe a new card that's later on my list, but we'll get to that eventually. But really, no. There Especially no... It, mm-hmm. up until Khan's is release, there wasn't. And I think recently there may be a sequel. The secondary Goblin Guide, but sure. we'll talk about that in a second. So, yeah, I, I think Goblin Guide's very powerful. I think the effect of flipping lands into your opponent's hand, it can be mitigated in modern by just the, the general card power, and also the fact that it has two toughness as opposed to one is very significant here. I think uh, when, when you see things like you're, you mentioned, Gutshot starts to see a lot of play, uh, things that have two toughness become very relevant in that format. When Delver is a 1-1, but Goblin Guide's a 2-2, it allows you to get that damage on the table, especially then you can start to take advantage of the fact that you have a repeatable damage sources that are just a lightning bolt or something. Right. The fact that this comes swinging out the gate, maybe even before your opponent has ever played a card, and then mm-hmm. the, the land doesn't really matter that much because you're a mono red deck that's burning them to the face, so it doesn't matter if they can get to four land. It's that you killed them on turn three. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very uh, very interesting card. Uh, I, I think it kind of goes without saying Goblin right. very good. So, um, so you're number nine. Now, my number nine is a card that I almost didn't include on this list, but as I thought about it more and more, I decided to include Stormbreath Dragon. Now, I know nobody oh, plays Stormbreath Dragon. I mean, it sees play in some sideboards. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a staple Jund topper, especially since Bloodbraid Elf got oh, gone away. Whenever it's Lingering definitely Soul in standard, tokens that's for sure. show up. We talked at length you know, last week about the fact that the, the format right now the format right now is very, very weak to Path to Exile and Lightning Bolt. Those are the two premier removal spells you'll see show up in most decks. Red, White, Blue Control, or Delver. Least, yeah, yeah you, you'll still see some black decks in the format that can get rid of it. But when you talk about other value cards that'll stop you, so cards like Lingering Souls, in the same way that uh, the 5-5 the five, five for 5, the haste uh, to Thunder My Hellkite. Yeah, which is which, actually what I thought you said. When yeah. you said Stormbreath Dragon, but the, the protection from <laughs> protection from white here is the reason that I think it's so powerful. It is pro white, yeah. It, it attacks through Restoration Angel. It can't be pathed. If it's bolted, it has to be double bolted. I mean, it's it seems like a good card to me. I, I I'm not playing a deck. Now, that how has... often is this sucker going monstrous in modern? Is my question. Probably very infrequently. Yeah. It's, it's well, an I mean, the decks effect. that we'd be playing it are generally ones that are filled with discard ahead of time. So you're mm-hmm. not really going to stop your opponent from what you're doing. So you might actually be able to get to a later point in the game to be able to use it. It's just the, icing on the cake as far as I'm I concerned. I mean, right. this card is, you know, this is a card that's never really seen a huge amount of play in the format. I thought you were talking about Thundermile Hellkite five right. seconds ago. So, and it kind of would f- theoretically fulfill a similar function of, this is a card that allows Jundex to go over the top and lets it get around Lingering Souls, which is Jund's, one of the best cards against Jund. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I think that kind of breaks that down. Do you got Jimmy, what's your uh, commander number nine? <laughs> uh, my commander number nine is... Uh, <laughs> one of the choices was Insurrection, which would never make it into a modern top ten. <laughs> so I'm going to say the other... Josh's number nine, which I think has a better chance, Anger. Uh, not also legal not in modern. modern. <laughs> not legal. All right, no. insurrection. It is. I don't think that's legal in modern either. There is a oh, version there of is modern. A, yeah, I think it was reprinted. In yeah, yeah, okay. But it's right. not in effect. I mean, insurrection is I mean, a card built for mana. multiplayer. Right, right. You're not gonna. Yeah, you're not gonna eight, eight raise those all like a, a goblin guide or a delver <laughs> secrets isn't isn't really gonna get you there. Yeah. There are eight mana right. spells that see play, but they also have delve attached to them. All right, I'm one for two. I feel good though. I feel good. So let's number eight. Now you know I was kind of debating which type of which one of these cards that I put here. Um, I felt like one of them belonged here because they see a lot of play and they're very important for the part- format. Uh, I picked Shatter Spree for my number eight. Shattering Spree. Uh, yes. Shattering Spree. So, you uh, know, for those that don't know, it's basically a one drop 
uh, red sorcery, and you can replicate it for red to destroy target artifacts. So if you pay two red, two artifacts. Three red, three artifacts. Right. And, and what it comes down to is I was looking for what I think is the most efficient and mm -hmm. arguably possibly the most versatile of the artifact removal spells. There's a possibility that Shatterstorm is a more powerful card, but in a format, especially where we're on now, where you know turn three is now the important turn in the format versus turn four, sure. this coming down a little bit earlier is a little bit more versatile and helpful, I think. I had a list, uh, you know, on, on my list, I wrote down a, a number of sideboard cards that were super powerful in Modern, and I thought about including this one. I think of the sideboard options, this is the best one. The only reason that I didn't include it is because realistically, other than Affinity, which is one of the best decks in the format, right? you're never... In, in old format and current format. Yeah, that's a great card against Affinity. It's the right. card you want to draw most. Other than Affinity, you'll probably rarely side it in. And it's, like you said, I think the reason that Shatter, Shattering Spree is better than Shatterstorm is... Realistically, how often are you trying to destroy more than four artifacts? Right. I think I think what it comes down to is it's good against Affinity because it, it can grow and, and hit more than the four that you might need to be able to grow. But it also is good against, like, pod decks or right. it's good against, like, right now, you know, because Burn is so prevalent in Modern right now, um, Dragon's Tooth is, like, a really important card in the Red Mirror. Sure, and this sure. is a card that comes in against that because you need to be able to destroy the artifact that's getting them life. Absolutely. I think it's, like, it's kind of a great card to come in against, like... One or two artifacts, and also is versatile. It's it's more versatile than like the nuke cards. Having They're, the option, I think, to destroy more or less and save mana and be able to sequence better is very important. Right. I think Shattering Spree is a great card. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just it's a narrow card. I obviously had it in mind. It's it's hard for me when I think about cards that only fit into certain strategies and certain sideboard plans to want to call it one of the ten best. But I certainly don't fault you right. for it. Um. So what is your number eight? My number eight is Tribal Flames, and. Okay. I, people don't play a lot of Tribal Flames anymore, but there was a time in Modern, I mean, decks that play four or five land types aren't as popular at the moment, but there was a time in Modern where it's a, it's a you want to read it off, Jimmy? Yeah, one in a red for a sorcery. Tribal Flames deals X damage to target creature or player where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. Maximum it could do is five? Yep. So here's the reason so Tribal Flames... land comes, comes around. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, basically, Tribal Flames is amazing for several reasons. Number one, four toughness is a very important number in Modern. So when you have a card that can deal four damage to a creature, it immediately shows up on my radar. When you have a, a spell that can deal four to five damage to a player or a creature, it's even more relevant, especially right. when you talk about a format that plays Snapcaster Mage heavily. This card, to me, just feels like it's... Obviously, you have to build your deck around it, but mm -hmm. it's not so hard to build your deck around no, five I mean, Tribal Zoo was definitively a deck... Um, in the early in the in, early years of modern, even yeah. even middle like like GP San Diego, I like I lost at least two of my rounds to Tribal Zoo just because it was like very prevalent at that point. And what it comes down to, it's a very powerful effect. And when Blood Moon is not good, this card gets better. So I actually think this is a great card right now if someone can maybe get it to work because I've... Blood Moon is not very good in the format right now because mono red decks and you know two color decks are. The, the the standard instead of the three or four color decks that they were before that. So this is a much better card because you the hate against it is not as prevalent. I piloted a uh, moon deck, a sorry, a Blood Moon Zoo deck at a Pro Tour qualifier a couple years ago that I really enjoyed and played to some success. Essentially, all you're doing though is playing Blood Moon instead of Tribal Flames. It's mm. one or the other. You can play Tribal Flames in the deck or you can just main deck Blood Moons instead. Right. So it's it's one or the other there. It's, it's interesting. But I think it's a good card. It's five damage to a player for two mana. Can be, that's a pretty powerful, unique effect. All right, nice. Jimmy, what's your what's your number eight? <laughs> Goblin Sharpshooter. <laughs> also, also not, not a in modern. format. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go for Josh's number eight. Goblin Bombardment. 
Uh, also not in modern. Yeah, uh, yeah. But Sorry. it is. That's, that's, you know what? It's too good goblins. for modern is what it is. <laughs> it broke modern. And Goblin there, Sharpshooter was too good. There is a DCI foil version of Bombardment, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think that makes it, makes it legal <laughs> in this format. Um, okay, so getting on uh, number seven, uh, my seven. It, you know, I, I kind of maybe think that in this format, cyborg cards are very, very powerful. So this is mm-hmm. maybe among those, but it's Anger of the Gods. I think, oh, okay. Uh, you know, this card maybe is a little worse than it used to be, but I think it's also better than it used to be, so I think it evenly washes out because now it, instead of exiling persist creatures from pod, it's exiling cards so uh, Delve isn't turned on as quickly. Right. It was my number board. It was my number 12. Oh, <laughs> nice. I like that you got detailed past 10 because that would do 10 and then everything is an honorable mention. Uh, Anger of the Gods 1 and 2 red for a sorcery. Anger of Gods deals three damage to each creature. If a creature dealt damage to this, they would die. This turn, exile it instead. It's a very good card. There's right. a yes. couple key cards that this is very, very, very important against. Right. I'd say the two most relevant are... Treasure Cruise? <laughs> well, that's true, actually, now that I think no, about yeah. it. I was going to say, though, for creatures, uh, Voice of Resurgence mm-hmm. and also Kitchen Finks. Those well, are... I, and, I mean, other wipers that are cheap and can do a lot of damage, but um, Young Pyromancer as yes. well is really good. Like, right now, the format is filled with Either, you know, you need a cheap, efficient removal, uh, board wipe, good against that, but you also need to be able to handle Kitchen Finks, Voice of Resurgence, the things that have these Enter the Battle, Out of the Graveyard effects that if you just exile it, no longer an issue. It mm-hmm. is, I think the power level for me has dropped slightly for two reasons. One, it costs three mana, and the other one, it's double red. It's restrictive in the deck you're going to play it in because it's a double red card, whereas other sweepers that we might get to later in the list don't cost <laughs> double red. So uh, that would be that would be my response. I think Anger of the Gods is a very good card. It's also unique that uh, it's, a, it's a newer card. We're not, I mean, a lot of this yeah. list is older. Theros, Actually, right. surprising on my side, many of the cards on my list have been reprinted or were printed within the last six years. I chose, yeah, I chose some older stuff. But uh, okay, so I, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you my number seven now. Right. Uh, it's funny too because I complained about Thousand Flames. Grape Shot is my number seven, right? But <laughs> Grape Shot. So I chose to use. Well, Jimmy, should should we read it first? Sure. I mean, I I feel like this one, if you're a modern player, you should know what Grape Shot does. It's one in a red sorcery. Grape Shot deals one damage to target creature or player, and the word we all love and hate, Storm. So I think this card is is necessary to mention more so than Past and Flames. More so than any of the rituals, because this is the preferred finisher. And even though uh, Empty the Warrens would be the other one, Empty the Warrens can be responded to the next turn. I mean, unless right. you combo they have out one, with it. They have one turn to beat your goblins. Yeah, and there's a lot Goblin of ways. Army. There's right. a lot of ways to kill. There are a lot of played cards that can kill those goblins. What's in that many card decks. called? Anger of the Gods? Yeah. Well, I mean, my, 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 my 11 was Grape Shot. Like, yeah. like it, it, I like sat there for an hour thinking of which card I'm going to put there for number 10. And right. It it's, just barely lost out. I mean, Grape Shot to me, just the power level, it's... It goes in a lot. It doesn't go in a lot of decks, but it's the finisher in more than one strategy. Uh, right, right, right. And I, I mean, it, it's he's playing Storm, and and on top of that, you know, there are some Jeskai Ascendancy lists that play it as their alternate win condition if everything goes wrong. And mm-hmm. so there are definitely arguments for this card. Don't right. get me wrong. And didn't didn't this card see play when there were like like Pyromancer Ascension decks were getting popular? Like, I guess that's kind of just a storm. That is storm right now. Pyromancer Ascension is the, like, that's also my, like, honorable mentions, but. (laughs) Yeah, mine mine too, mine too. Right. (laughs) Fair enough. So I don't think we need to say much more about Grape Shot. It's it's, it's an infuriating card. It's it's super annoying. It Uh, does what you want it to do, that's for sure. Especially if you're storming out. It's it's a single turn kill, I'm guessing, most of the time you cast it, Most of the time. I'm going to take this moment to just tip my hat to how much I love Time Spiral as a format. I know you know this, (laughs) Alex, but some of our listeners here might not know how much of a pension I have for Time Spiral. Doesn't every developer hate Time Spiral because it just messed up the color pot too much? They hate it so much. And I, I think though, though it, it, the way Mark Rosewater refers to it is it it was his like Artur film. It's like ah, this is I his see. black and white French film where yeah. like 
Zendikar is his Avengers blockbuster people getting punched in the face hard and winning. If any of you guys enjoy Time Spiral as much as I do, I will give a quick shout out to something you need to find online. Aaron Forsyth on the Magic Cruise, I think two years ago, does something called Between Ravnica's, where he essentially goes and he he just does a design walkthrough of five minutes of each block. And he oh, t- cool. And once he gets to the Time Spiral block, it's so funny. All the audience starts laughing. He just starts showing you cards being like, now in this idea, we decided to mix this card and this card. As you can see... It's a terrible design it's like, <laughs> because this card wasn't even good in the first place. We just thought it'd be funny to wink at you guys, and it's it's great. If you like that set, I highly recommend it. That's so. wonderful. Hey, uh, so number seven's for uh, yeah. Commandario over here. Josh said a uh, blasphemous act. A good card, not really modern. Not, no, yeah, definitely uh, not. How many times are you going to get creatures on the battlefield to cast that? <laughs> so the only way blasphemous act is you know probably seeing play in modern is if Boris Reckoner for some reason becomes good in the format, and then it's that combo. I wipe your board and deal 13 damage to you, I win. Right. Um, and if that even happens, I think uh, Pyre Harvest, which is like you exile cards, it kind of delves for X and does damage to a creature. Mm-hmm. You And then you could just do that to him and win, and it's a little bit stronger, I think, in the long run. What was the other one? Burning Wish. Yeah, also, also not, not in the format. Oscar. Good, but not legal in the format. <laughs> Isn't the other Wish legal? Uh, only one, Glittering only Wish. Glittering what? Wish. Yeah, because it's, a, it's, a, it's from Time Spiral Block, so it's like, uh, wink, wink, look at the past. Awesome. Uh-huh. So good. And it was like a, uh, a plant for Ravnica, too, because the gold set was coming out <laughs> next year, so it was all right, like, right. it was more that. I'm starting to understand quickly why Modern is very balanced, or at least they try to be. All these awesome cards that I want to play are not legal. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, we're at the top. We're at the top. It gets the power level. This is also red, the color of doing stuff very directly. Right, very directly. <laughs> this is also the color of there's only, like, three good cards, actually, compared to the other colors in Modern. There's, like, I mean, they're I all, like... I have to disagree like... on this, because I looked at the top eights of the last couple tournaments, and every single deck was playing red. Yeah, for, like, one card. We'll get there. We'll get there. Let's, no, let's... no, not just... For, like, yes, all of them were playing that one card, but we'll get there. Okay, so... <laughs> The siege round. Uh, number <laughs> seven, number six. Now, number six for me is a new card. I think it's the newest card on my list. It's um, Treasure Cruise. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> it is Monastery Swift Spear. Ah, yes. Um, this is the the on card that's Tarkir. seen play. Legacy is seen play. Modern. Um, Jimmy, why don't you tell for, us what it is? I'm guessing for a similar reason to Goblin Guide. It's one for a one-two uh, with haste and prowess. Hmm. Um, so this is kind of what I was talking about before when we were mentioning Goblin Guide. This is the card that is the the new comparable version of Goblin Guide, yep. but it doesn't give them the land, and it can also attack for much more if your deck is built, which Delver decks generally are, mm-hmm. to take advantage of the prowess ability. So, right. you know, and it, and as you mentioned, Goblin Guide having two toughness is really important. This has two toughness, so they have to waste, you know, either an entire card on it or, you know, Gutshot can't kill it. So it, it definitely adds a lot of versatility, and it's, it's just a big beatdown card. It's great in these Delver strategies or tempo strategies where right. for one mana... Turn one, I get this threat, and if you don't answer, you're going to die, and I can spend the rest of my time stopping you from what you're doing. So I looked at this card, and I, I wrote it. I wrote it. It didn't even really make it into my consideration for a top ten spot, not because I argue with the power level. I can totally understand that. And also, like you said, looking at the looking at all those top eights, it's very clear how good this card is. If it's going to be a legacy staple already, then it's it's very clear this is a powerful card. For me, when I see a card like this, I go, okay, this is really good within a very narrow strategy, within one strategy that can take advantage of what it's supposed to do. Now... I'd say it's actually good in three strategies. Whatever Three it is, of which are, like, the three most powerful strategies in modern right now. It's fair, it's fair. And like I said, this could just be, like, I'm naive because it's new to the format. I haven't played right. a lot of modern with this card. Uh, I look at it and I just go, you know what? What's going to happen when the, the correct sort of decks are designed and become popular to hate this card out? 
it won't see play anymore in a way that some of the other cards on this list will continue to see play. Beyond that, you know, Arlax uh, does this playthrough on Star City Games where he goes through and plays Blue Red Delver uh, through like, I think sure. it was like six matches. And by the end of it, he was like, you know, Treasure Cruiser is really good, and it's what brought this power level up. But really, the secondary Goblin Guide slash Delver threat in this deck is what really pushed it over to a power level that's way higher than it should be. And when you say it's only played in one deck, it's it's going to see play in all burn lists and all Delver lists. That that was an ignorant statement. It's true. I was thinking Delver. It it is in red. I I forgot about it just like it could be. I was more just thinking when you design. Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to explain it. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's powerful. Yes. It might make it into my top 10 if I get to play with it a little bit. I'm reluctant right now because I I hate giving brand new cards that don't have like a proven track record that much credit. And, and and in your defense, in my original list, the first one I made wasn't on there. Then I did a bunch of research and was like, oh, no, wait, this card is just bonkers. Uh, so, you know, that kind of breakdowns my talk. What's your number six? It's ironic that I would talk about this as my number six after Swift Spear, but Grim Lava Mancer is my number six. A card that really doesn't actually see very much play right now, and especially is bad with Treasure Cruise. Um, this is like probably the dinosaur in me liking this card. But I do think that because it's a targetable ability that is repeatable and you don't have to attack to use it, that's that's still, I think, ultimately at the end. This, this will remain a good card, even if Swift Spear gets kind of hated out. I think in burn decks, they, this card will still see, see play in mono-red decks or non-blue running decks because M once Treasure Cruise is out of... If Treasure Cruise gets kicked out of the format, I think it'll see play because, you know, it's it does something different than what I think Swift Spear does. I think they also don't work terribly... Uh, terribly with each other because yeah, Swift Spear wants you to get stuff in your graveyard by playing spells and right. this wants things to be in your graveyard and once Treasure Cruise is gone then they're, it's not fighting for space of graveyard resources. That's totally fair. Lava Mancer, I, I mean it's it's one of those old cards. It's never going to blow your mind with how good it is. It's just going to be consistent. And just a reminder what Grib Lava Mancer was. It's a, it's a one red for a one one um, that you can tap to exile two cards from your graveyard and do two damage to target creature or player. Yep. So you don't. Basically, it's a great way to get around not being able to attack through something. It's it, reminiscent of why Deathrite Shaman was so good for so long. It's right. similar. Kind it feels of very. It, it feels very similar to Deathrite in a much more fair way. <laughs> what Deathrite yeah, was right, doing. Right. Exactly. Um, Jimmy, what's your uh, uh, Goblin Welder? Also, also ridiculously overpowered. Not, <laughs> not even close uh, to legal. <laughs> darn that. Well, that makes sense then. Well, okay. Josh is with Insurrection, so we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> All the right. next one I know for a fact is not modern. Actually, it might be. Who knows? We'll move on. We're we're in the uh, we're now in the top five. We've gone for the first, the bottom half. Uh, mine is a newer card, and I actually think is criminally undervalued. I think it, it might be way better than even people think it is, and people think it's good right now. And that mm-hmm. is Idolon of the Great Rebels. Yeah. Oh yes. Really uh, good. I I honestly think this is you know for a long time we've all been like oh why isn't there a red Snapcaster Mage Stoneforge Mystic Tarmogoyf Snap uh, Snapcaster Mage or uh, D- Dark Confidant. Yeah. And I think this is the red one. I think it's going to be a little while, but it, it's like, it's casually unique because it's an enchantment creature, which is cool. Yep, yep. And then on, beyond that, it also is just such a powerful effect. And right now it's really powerful, even in the format as it is now, because so many of the things are about cantripping and one-drops that right. if this stays in play, most decks, like, at the very best, are going to have to shock themselves to get rid of it. Here's the reason I didn't include this card. I thought about it. I was very close to it. I had it written. I actually crossed it out. The deal with this card is I, I go... How many decks in modern are going to want to play spells that are more expensive than the requirement on this card? Do you want to read it real quick, Jimmy? It's red, red for a 2 2 enchantment creature spirit from Journey into Nyx. Whenever a player casts a spell with converted mana cost three or less, Eidolon of the Great Rebel deals two damage to that player. So, a player, meaning 
unless you're going to play a deck that is heavily favored with spells that cost four or more, and I understand that they're going to play more of them in this format where, where Delver is so popular and cards like all the cantrips are so popular, but a lot of the time there's, there have been historically a lot of decks in the format that aren't packed full of one, two, and three drops that that are a little bit more fair. Like, See, I don't think, A, I think modern classically, and especially once if it reverts back to what it was after a banning or whatever, is not necessarily about the one to three drop. It is about two drops, and this punishes them, and you can build your deck around it. But I also think if you're playing red, your deck might just be better with this being in it. Might be. I, I think that, like, even if, like, say you're a deck like Splinter Twin, where your game plan is, you know, or your bad game plan is is tempo, you can slow them down by making it so they have to play around it, allowing you to maybe combo later. Or you can just take some damage, but then start beating them and win just through the tempo play. It's it's very good for me. I just look at it and I think about it and I go... Hurts me too much. Hurts me too much. If I'm playing red... Interesting. Am I really going to be able to negate getting just housed? I would say think about it like board wipes or stuff like... Um, you know, Armageddon, where, like, which isn't in modern, but, like, these are effects that are universal and affect everyone, but if it's your effect, you have control over it. You play it when you know it's the right time to play it. Sure. Like, your deck will be built to be, like, okay, like, this seems great in, like, blue-white-red decks, where right. your real game plan is four drops that, like, beat them in the face. Yeah, and that's so, fair. Like, and that's a deck that this hasn't seen play in yet, and that's where I think it's very powerful. I, I And I, it's already really powerful in the burn decks that are just, like, yeah. Dome you for 12, you're dead, you can't play spells. <laughs> right, right. It's interesting, too, because uh, this is a card that has popped up slightly in standard, all because of a card that is also affecting uh, modern called Jeskai Ascendancy. Yes. Right. Which is interesting as a, a meta choice against that. Yeah, I mean, really really good. Another one that I looked at, and I, it's just another card I haven't gotten to play with heavily, so it's like I don't want to... Same, same reason with... Right. On the outset, it does seem like the downsides are too great. It's like I'm going to just kill myself in the process because my deck has yeah, mostly CMC3. Yeah, burns you too, and I'm pretty sure that's one of the best cards I've ever Agreed. It doesn't burn. But he draws you, burns you but too, he draws but I'm pretty you sure it's... True, true. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. That's fair. All right, I'll give you my number five. Okay. Kiki Jiki. My favorite card of all time. Kiki-jiki. Just, just throwing that out there. Mirror Breaker. Uh, it is one of the two cards that is necessary in the Splinter Twin combo. It is also an Angel Pod. Jimmy, do you want to... You wanna yeah, so Kiki-jiki Mirror Breaker, a.k.a. Total Baller. More like everyone needs to make a commander deck around this guy because uh, Kessler made me make him. Uh, it's a 2 and 3 red, 5 total CMC. A lot of red, by the way. For a 2-2 two, two with Haste, Legendary Goblin Shaman, and uh, uh, let's just get broken, guys. Tap. Put a creature token into play that's a copy of target non-legendary creature to control. That creature token has haste. Sacrifice it at end of turn. So, here's the deal. Splinter Twin, you can get blown out. Kiki-Jiki, it's just a creature. Cost one more. It's a little more heavily red. This can copy Wall of Omens. This can copy anything. This can copy anything that has an ETB effect and do it repeatedly. And you don't have to play a clumsy aura that can easily get two for one to do it. Which is why... It's less powerful than Splinter Twin because it costs triple red as opposed to double red, but more powerful because it's a creature that's just general and it can just attack for two if nothing else. It just can attack for two. It's just really good. So Kiki Jiki is in my honorable mentions. It didn't make my top ten. What? Um, for a few reasons. <laughs> One Angel Pod right I had now. The same reaction, by the way. Isn't isn't a play? Isn't a deck? Kiki, Kiki Angel Pod is like dead <laughs> in the format. When it wasn't dead in the format, it was just blatantly the worst version of Malira Pod. Second, and like mind you, there are other decks that play Kiki Jiki. It's a one of, maybe a two of in Splinter Twin lists, sure. and, which is the defining deck that uses this ability. Um, and lastly, the triple red is very problematic. You were talking earlier that Anger of God's having two red, and that's a pretty heavily played card. 
is problematic. This is three red. Like, the decks that, like, you either have to be very dedicated towards it or, like, hurt yourself in many different ways to try and get it into play. I think I look at it and I go, in, in terms of design, if I'm thinking about the card Splinter Twin, which is obviously, I think we're going to end up talking about here, but... Uh, <laughs> it's probably going to show up. I have, in my opinion, even though this is triple red, it invites more innovation as a deck builder going forward because it's more versatile and can be in more decks, whereas Splinter Twin is just, it is exactly what it is, and unless they just give us a redundant effect that's just another version of Village Bell Ringer or Pestermite or Deceiver Exarch, we're just going to end up with the same exact effect every time it hits the board. And while Kiki-Jiki is primarily used for a combo, it doesn't have to be used as a combo. It can yeah, also just be, used be a for hasty two-two swinger, well, I mean, uh, or but, just, or like, just general value and, 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 <laughs> in more casual formats, maybe. But like in this format, it's really you're playing for the combo, and maybe it gains you value off wall, wall, value off of wall of omens or other effects. Sure, like, it's fair. You're not playing Kiki Jiki to like dirtle. <laughs> right. We well, can you just. Do you always want me to just wear a name tag that says ignorant dinosaur? Because I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, here's the thing. I think Kiki should be on the list because I like that you can copy anything. Uh, it was number five on Josh's list, but he also wrote slash splinter twin. Right. So <laughs> uh, as far as we're concerned, it's essentially the same thing. And my number five was Chaos Warp, which I don't think is also awesome. not legal in the yeah, format. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, awesome card. card. Awesome Ranks. card for legacy. For legacy, though, right? Uh, yeah, Chaos Warp's great. They're yeah. just there unique. There we go. Unique. Always, always amazing when when wizards. Is it's kind of like, like a time spiral esque card where it's something that red shouldn't be able to do. Yeah, which is always super dangerous to design. Like if, yep. if you ever give effects that are. Well, just... that's why it's not legal in modern. They printed yeah, it right, in a commander right. product. It's only going to be available to legacy, and they don't care about legacy. Yeah, I mean that's just and it yep. costs three mana, which is not really like legacy right, prominent. It's not back... Even in that format, it's not backbreaking. Um, number so, four. Is... Number four. Number four. Number four. So this is. This is what I think everyone thought would be the Tarmogoyf of the sure. Red 2 drops. And it's seeing a lot of play, especially right now. It's one of the staples of the format, I think. And that's Young Pyromancer. Yep. Um, Young Pyromancer is a Young Pyro one in a red. <laughs> or, did Jimmy, you want to go with this? Yeah, totally. It's one in a red. It's uncommon from N14. It's a 2-1 creature shaman. Whenever you cast an instant or a sorcery spell, put a 1-1 red elemental creature token on the battlefield. Overrun. Hit it. So... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, the obvious I'm just use out is, in, <laughs> is in Delver, where or or burn decks both, where like you're playing a lot of spells that this just gets you the incremental value. You know, normally you're playing this and then following up either with, you know, on turn three with a a cantrip or a one drop. Uh, Basically, you're getting a, a lot of red elementals so, on the battlefield. Right. No matter what, you you most likely can set this up where you always get value out of it, and sometimes it just overruns your opponent; and they can't beat it. Yeah, it's funny. I. I looked at this card, and the reason I didn't put it in my top 10, and I like this card a lot. Like, I tried building a standard deck with this card at one point, and I liked Blue Red Delver. Even, bef even before Treasure Cruise, I thought Blue Red Delver was a cool deck. Anytime I've ever tried playing this card outside of Modern, it's always been kind of underwhelming and disappointing. So, for some reason, though though I, I totally understand that within, within what it's supposed to be doing, it's very, very good. It just always feels like you're going to play it on the play in a deck that kind of wants to be countering something on turn two, and then it's going to die, and then you're going to have to spend another turn setting it up. This is probably just the way that it's, in my experience, like in Standard, it used to feel that way. I, I have right. seen it played very effectively in Blue Red Delver. Again, it's one of these cards that if you build your deck to do exactly what it wants you to do, which is what several of the cards on this list have done, it'll be really advantageous. But you have to build your deck in that way, and that deck that you're building becomes so weak to getting hated out by a strategy that just focuses on hating out low CMC cards and weak toughness, you know, creatures with like uncounterable and sweepers. Like it's, 
you just build sort. You can build a very easy deck that's going to beat Blue Red Delver if it's if it's meant to beat Blue Red Delver. I mean, currently you can't, seeing that the format is dominated by, by Blue Red Delver. Delver it now. has yeah. been for like several weeks. It's gonna it'll get hated out, guaranteed. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, there is a GP coming up, and we'll find out. But so the the last thing I want to say, you know, it's a four of in the best deck in Modern and Legacy, the two most powerful formats out there. And arguably a four of in one of the most powerful decks in Vintage. The most powerful format out there. So, like, if it's that good in these formats, it has to be a pretty strong and high level of power. Yes, you have to play with mostly spells. But I would argue Red in general is a color that you kind of need your deck to work with. Rarely, and Lightning Bolt is an exception, but rarely do you play cards that are just like, this card's good in Red. Great. Sure, sure, sure. And, like, most of these cards are like, this is good in a tempo deck. This is good in a burn deck. This is good in a combo deck. Like, these are things that do specific actions. So saying, like, this is only going to be good in Splinter Twin means it's not worthy of the list when Splinter Twin has been one of the top four decks in the format since the format existed. The other problem with cards like this that I hate, this card's really bad on the draw. (laughs) I hate (laughs) cards that are terrible Not anymore. Gedaxian Probe. Yeah. And I mean, Gutshot. The decks are currently playing four True, true. Yeah. That, that's fair. That's fair. All anyway. Right. So you're number four. So we're going to skip my number four because it's Goblin Guide because ah, you already right. did Goblin Guide. Oh, we already did Goblin Guide. But I'm going to just jump ahead of you. Why would you say it's higher? Why did I put Goblin Guide so high? Uh, the same reasons that when you discussed Goblin Guide, I felt it was uniquely powerful. Like I said, I'm an old right. dinosaur, so if I had thought about Swift Spear, I probably would have had Swift Spear higher because <laughs> now that I think about it, it does seem better. Than but I, I still believe, like I said, it's it's a unique effect to be able to attack with no no additional augmentation right. to your card for two power, two toughness on turn one on the play. That's a unique effect. It's very good. It goes into a lot of deck designs. It's going to traditionally be your one drop if that's what you want to do. And that's why it's so good. Right. And it's it's a very red effect, too. It's, you know? it's as red as it gets. It's also a goblin, which yeah. I think there's only one of those on my list you had. Yes. Kiki Jiki, so you had two. But so I will jump ahead we, of you. Right, well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah let's go just, right ahead. Uh, uh, we both had Gamble. Nope. <laughs> yep. Uh, clearly, though, uh, because all these cards are not legal, it's making me realize that my list and Josh's list were pretty spot on. <laughs> well, some of these are not legal because they're older. They're older, yeah, yeah. It sounds like an expert level. Actually, I don't yeah, think, yeah, as, yeah. I'm as far as I can tell, you haven't picked a single card that's banned in the format. You've just picked cards that are too old or printed in Commander products. Right, right. <laughs> I just wish I could play Burning Witch in Modern. But oh, that'd be yeah, great. Jeez Louise. <laughs> that being said, I'm going to jump ahead of you just because we I skipped mine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah number three. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with my number three, which is Pyroclasm. Okay. And, yeah, so when you said Anger of the Gods, I wanted to just shot this out. And the only reason, like, it's very, very clear to me that that uh, obviously Anger of the Gods is a more powerful card. It, it does more. It's more resilient. It's three as opposed to two. But it is double red and a three drop. Mm-hmm. The reason I think Pyroclasm is so powerful is that early in the game, in a situation just like we're talking about, where they've played a Delver and maybe a young Pyromancer and they don't have a spell to protect themselves, you can catch them with their pants down and just sweep their early threats. Right. As opposed to Anger of the Gods, by the time you're going to play an Anger of the Gods for three mana, that deck and many decks are going to have a way to protect their creatures or counter your spell. And, right. and I think I think Pyroclasm... Is completely worthy on this list. And I think it, you really have to ask yourself in the format, is the exile effect important? And sometimes it's not. I think right now with Delve, yep. it's important. And if a metagame was filled with birthing pod decks with kitchen fakes everywhere, the, the exile would be important. But Pyroclasm does a lot more out of some decks, especially like Tron. Yep. Like the staple sweeper for red green Tron has always been this. And that's because you get rid of, you can cast it off of one red mana source. Yep. And their deck is filled with the Urzatron, so like it's much harder for them to do the double red. Yeah, it's just it's just generally good. It kills flyers and non-flyers. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a it's, very... It, the question you have to ask, I think, between the two of them is what is your deck weaker to? 
I have I have a tendency to, yeah. to trend towards cheaper cards in general. I hate paying more for cards, even if they have a more powerful effect. It, my my Highlander decks I always build have no five and six drops, even though they're powerful. Right. I just don't like them. I don't. So I, that's that's kind of why I do it. But anyway, that's uh, I don't think you really. Right. So offended. my number three, and Jimmy brought this up as his number ten, and. I think it's possibly weaker now, but Blood Moon. Yeah, very good card. I'm <laughs> going to just say it's it's my number two, so we can just bounce okay, yeah, it off yeah. each other. So, nice. so what it comes down to is this is a card that has probably won, like, single card that's won a game by itself more than probably any <laughs> other card in Magic, yeah. <laughs> or in, in Modern, yeah. at least, where it's just like, you cast it, and you win. The other deck doesn't do anything for the rest of the game. It's, you... wall, it's, been to- it's like, brought entire decks to the top of GPs and Pro Tours. Yeah. One red, two colorless enchantment. All non-basic lands are mountains. And Boom. this is a, like this is we mentioned earlier. Tribal Zoo got hated out of the format because Blood Moon was a staple, and just you can't just win. Shut through down. It. The, yeah. <laughs> Can you think of any other card in the history of Magic that is more of a feel bad to lose to than Blood Moon? Uh, Armageddon, which is a. a an arguably similar effect. Uh, <laughs> and Torok, possibly. These are these are like <laughs> legacy legal cards. Yeah. So the, the fact that modern modern is encouraged, like Blood Moon is encouraged to be used in modern for a long time. I would just if I like I wouldn't even play modern because I would get so angry trying to build these mana bases and these decks that I want to build. Somebody would just play a Blood Moon and I'd just like curse and curse and leave the I'd leave the PTQ and we'd flip the table. We'd be sitting at we'd be sitting at like Applebee's or like Outback Steakhouse, Outback Steakhouse okay. eating a blue and onion and I'd just be like I'd be like ah oh, Blood Moon such a worthless card what a st- I can't even play Magic. <laughs> and then, like, the next tournament, I just, like, took Moonzu and just, like, went, like, five and two or something like that. I was like, this card's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I try to just build around it now. It's, like, one of my Sometimes you got to become the villain to see the truth in the, the card, huh? Or, I mean, it, it's, it's, for how much it costs, just damaging to what your opponent's trying to do. I actually oh, think right yeah. now it's not it's necessarily as strong because Burn and Blue Red Delver are the, the big decks and both of their mana bases are very basic. Yeah. Heavy. I mean, burn is all mountains. <laughs> so, yeah. like, when it comes down to it, it's not as strong as it was, but I still think just, like, above and beyond one of the strongest cards in red in the format. Mm-hmm. It's, one of the strongest cards. Two, it's one of the strongest cards ever. I think ever, I, yeah. I, I will yeah. quote the great the great Christian Bale. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah. That's how I feel about Blood Moon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, okay, so that's your number two. Your, my three, your two. My Jimmy, ten. I need your three and twos. Oh, oh, before we move on, uh, chaos, or your three, your three, chaos warp, chaos Again. warp is your three. Uh, yeah, no, that was that was Josh's, and then mine was decree of annihilation. Yeah, great modern card. Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, just uh, just just ten mana. Just 10 <laughs> All right. So, incidentally, I do have a ten mana card in my honorable mentions that we'll get to. We okay, do, do. I want to do. I, I, I want to break down my number two. We brought it up earlier. My number two is Splinter Twin. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think that this has been the staple red card beyond the next, our mutual number one in the format since the format's existed. I think of all the red cards, Blood Moon, this, and our number one have been cast more than any other red Come card on, in the Alex, format. Nobody plays Splinter Twin. <laughs> <laughs> I think that arguably it goes with Kiki Jiki. I think it's just overtly more powerful, and the decks, I've often more seen Splinter Twin, which I think is the most powerful version of these decks, sure. cut mm-hmm. Kiki Jiki's. But you keep Splinter Twins in that main seventy five at least, and it, it just it does something overtly powerful, and it just is the way that the format is supposed to exist on the win on turn four. Yeah, I the only argument that I will and just defend Kiki Jiki one last time, but I agree when your deck is supposed to flash in piece one of combo on turn three and play Splinter Twin on turn four. Obviously, you're going to keep Splitter Twin in the deck because it's 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 within right. within the confines of that deck design. That's exactly what the deck wants. But even in Tarmo Twin, in uh, Blue White Red Twin, the, like Kiki Jiki sees playing those, but Splinter Twin is still the better 
And yeah. arguably, if you ask pilots, the more important of those two cards. Yeah, four versus five right. is, is the main the, the, right. the, the one argument for Kiki Jiki is that Splinter Twin does not work with Restoration Angel. Yes. But that is more of a corner case to me versus like, the important actual factor. Right. Um, okay, so you're number two before we drum roll into what <laughs> everyone knows is number one. <laughs> uh, Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Jimmy, can we just get your number one before we talk about the obvious? Oh, mine was Fork. Uh, okay. Because I, I believe that the one thing that red does not have outside of uh, was it pyroblast, whatever the red counter target blue spell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is red doesn't have counters, and that's one of the things that red decks die to so often in commander, and, and just being able to stop a counter with a fork or just copy someone else's massively mind-blowingly powerful spell is great. Fork, I'm not 100 percent sure is legal in the format, but reverberate, which is exactly the same card for yes. all intents and purposes, is, yes. and it's not doesn't see generally a whole ton of play, but it is a card that could be considered, I don't know, I guess. And it's so, I mean, I think the thing about Reverberate that you have to think about that's so interesting is, like, you will always... There there are so many interesting ways that you can catch a player with their pants down if you use that card. Because mm-hmm. in, a, in a mono red deck, it functions as if you have three mana, two lightning bolts. If you if you yeah. copy their Gifts Ungiven or something, I mean, there's just there's just interesting ways to use that card that it doesn't get used doing. Uh, that I, oh, it's a counter to another counter spell. It's, right. it's not an effect you see a lot, but in theory, it doesn't seem crazy. The problem with it is that it follows the same problem that just like clones generally see is that like you're only doing something the very best thing that your, your opponent else. is doing. Right. And sometimes it's just what your opponent's doing is you could be just doing something more powerful for two mana. It's like right. the same reason that like Infernal Tutor is like kind of bad. Right. Number one is, is... Simeon Spirit Guide. <laughs> <laughs> Treasure Cruise. Drum Come roll. on, guys. Lightning Bolt. Yeah, it's I mean, this so is good. The, this is the red card. If it's, I were to pick a card to represent yeah, red this, this more than any red. other card, this is it. It's sad because this doesn't make it on commander list because three damage is laughable. The commander is the 40 life total. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Absolutely. when it comes down to it... And not four ofs. But I have friends who like say we're all wrong for not playing it in, in commander just because there are targets to kill things with and sometimes right. you just steal a win, especially in point-based ones where you get points for killing an mm. opponent. You can uh-huh. just like, nope, I got that kill. Ha ha. Right. Like, interesting. It, it, it adds value. But back to modern, this is like... We've had conversations with Kibble. We had a conversation with Kibble at GP San Diego, and he was basically like, this is the entire format. Yeah. The entire format of modern is card. Lightning Bolt. Every other card is secondary to what this card... Maybe Thoughtseize, almost every other card is secondary to what this card does. So it's format. really, really interesting when you look at the original five cards. The original five one-for-three effects that were designed in the first Magic set... Mm-hmm. Healing are, Solve. <laughs> healing Solve, which is... If you put those two cards next to each other, it's hilarious. And then it's if laughable you, how bad that yeah. was. An- Ancestral Recall yeah. is the on blue the one. Special, right. Yeah. So... I mean, and then and then you have uh, Giant Growth in green, which is one of the more elegant green spells that's ever been designed. It's, right. it's a phenomenally good card. Right. And the black card for three... Oh, Dark Ritual. Dark Ritual. Also, Dark ritual. one of the most broken Also, <laughs> yeah. So it's hilarious when you think about where... Now we look at it in even Legacy. It's one of the most played cards in Legacy. It's... Right. I mean, it's a great card. It's a multi-format all-star. Well, when we get to the deck deck, we're going to do Blue Red Delver. And the thing to look at is that Blue... Like... It's the exact same list as the Legacy list, and it's ba- on the back of Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt is, like, when it was in Standard, it was format warping. It's been format warping. Like, if your creature yeah. dies to Lightning Bolt, you're not, you shouldn't be playing it in Modern. Restoration yeah. Angel, one of the reasons it's so good is because Lightning Bolt can't kill it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's that's the whole reason when I when I mentioned Stormbreath Dragon, it's like, it's a four-toughness four creature. A, yeah, right, it doesn't right. die. I mean, yeah, like we said, Restoration Angel is phenomenally powerful. We, we, when we deck-teched Grand Architect last week... It's Batter Skull and Worm Coil Engine. Right. Our focus was like, can it, the the major threats of the deck survive Lightning Bolt? And 
Kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all know that, you know, Hunted Horror was playable in the format. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of what Lightning Bolt does. It, it gives you reach at all times. It kills almost every major important threat in the first three turns at a more efficient rate than they generally will play that creature for. Mm-hmm. And with Snapcaster Mage in the format, you can get it back and yeah. do it again. Three men, you like, can cast it again. A completely legitimate like, game plan is bolt, snap, bolt, bolt, snap, bolt. And that's like six damage, six and generally damage. it kills them. It's really good. So what I want to do really quick before we before we move on to the deck tech is I have you know 20 or so cards written down here that I looked at, and they were in categories from underplayed, sideboard tech, really narrow, powerful, like narrowly powerful cards that didn't get mentioned. So I don't know if you have a few cards written as well. I have two. Let's each have two honorary mentions and then we can kind of... Ah, two! All right, rattle off yours. Yeah, all right. So so my two, uh, one is Ancient Grudge. Okay. uh, Which I actually think is more powerful than the artifact damage that we previously chose. Yep. But... I felt like it was kind of cheating because it's kind of a Green, gold card. Yeah, right. So, and we try to we, we're, like we're going to do our own gold kind of... episode, and yeah. I didn't want to like yeah. break the rules. <laughs> yeah, don't break the rules, Kessler. And two, uh, Chandra Pyromancer. Oh, uh, okay. Master Pyromancer. And is that the and du- that's the double one. That's the two red, two colorless. You um, ping one, no, no, can't you, block. You ping, and they can't block. Oh, and you can and, remove or, a card. You, or you get the draw cards because yeah. it's a red draw spell. It's a red draw spell, and it's it's the best red draw spell, arguably, or one of the best, if not the best, and. You know, in Jund, it was the top of the curve. Sure. And, and Jund is no longer really a deck in the format, but before this and, like, over the history, yeah. it is kind of the replacement of the Breadblade Elf that that deck needed, and yep. it it's good at drawing cards, and that's kind of what Jund needed in the first place. So Red needs it generally. I'm yeah. going to just gonna, I'm gonna rattle off uh, five, and I'm going to give you just a quick blurb on each one. I won't talk much about them. Hit it. But I think uh, Volcanic Fallout's interesting to talk about because that's uncounterable. It's a terrible so card. It's not good, <laughs> but it's, it's just like an interesting card. I wouldn't put it in my top ten, but it's worth thinking about. Um, it's interesting to see that Koth never gets talked about ever, even though that card is like within a mono-red strategy. Very, very, very good. Especially, I think, I think problem with Koth is that the red strategies that are mono red yeah. don't really need the effect, and the decks that could use the effect, like Jund, yep. it they need they're not red enough. It's fair enough. Uh, great, Greater Gargadon, which is I love Greater a ten Gargadon. mana card that is one of the only it's the one of the only advantageous instant speed non cost sack spells in the entire format. Right. That and it combos with a lot of different strategies and a lot of things you want to do. It's a great card. It's a very unique card. You Nobody can, really plays you can sack it. artifacts to it. I mean, it's yeah, so, you, it's a weird sack out. You can you can build around it. Through yeah. the Breach is a card that used to see a lot of play in Corio's Vengeance decks. Corio's Vengeance playing yeah. it now, and it's it's a narrow effect. Seismic Assault, part of the Agro Loam deck that Bronson Magnon won yep. the first modern GP with. Very, very, very narrow card, but important. Uh, that's sort of like the first ones. And then the last one I wanted to say was Magma Jet, which it's a little weak. Same with Fork Bolt. They're, they're kind of both in that like... Well, there's 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 a litany of one, co- one mana red do two damage in some way and get some unique effect with it yeah. in the format. And like, I have Galvanic Blast on my like honorable yep. mentions list. This, uh, Burst Lightning. Like, they're all kind of the, right. like, the, the shock plus... Searing will. Blaze, Searing, Searing Blood. Blade, like, yeah. all these things are, like, good Pillar of Flame. Like, they're important. They're important for the format, but I don't, like, Lightning... Like, they kind of do what Lightning Bolt, but worse. And the reason they see right. play is because they're just worse Lightning Bolts. And I figured, since Lightning Bolt was on the list, they were, like, you could move bolt. The only premium Game Swinger Red card that we didn't mention as part of a Tier 1 strategy, and it is only within a Tier 1 strategy, is Shrapnel Blast. And it's, it's only played in Affinity... But it is an instant speed card that does five damage right. to any target. And, and the reason I didn't include that is actually it's fallen out of favor. Okay. Um, tar- recently at uh, GP Nagoya, 
Shrapnel Blast got a lot of play in the Tarmo Affinity lists. Right, right. Um, but before that, it was kind of hadn't been seen for about a year, and maybe recently seeing a little bit more play because the format is so much more aggressive and it's much more about sure, like, sure. killing a person quickly. Before, where it was much more mid range based, and you needed threats that stuck on the board for cheap because Thoughtseize was an issue and right. Leon was an issue. But yeah, no, all of these are powerful red cards. No, red is a very powerful color, and I actually disagree with your statement earlier that it isn't. Because, like, if you look at the most recent list, and in general, red is always going to see play. Sure. Some of it is on the back of Lightning Bolt, but once you're on that base, you start playing these other cards. And I think some of these are even stronger than they currently are, and we'll see more play, like Eidolon of the Great Rebels. Do either of you have, just real quick, a, a pet card in red that doesn't see any play? That you wish? That you just wish? You just wish you could play it in modern? It's an awesome card. Burning Wish. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> sulfur Elemental for me is that card. Sulfur Elemental. I love oh, Sulfur I Elemental. I think it's, sulfur, such a, what, I don't... It's, it's a one red, two colorless, three two flash with split second that states white creatures get plus one, minus one from Times Power Block. <laughs> uh, but it's just so cool. It's three. It's a three power flash creature in red that, that can kill Lingering Souls tokens and is uncounterable. I mean, it's just good. Like it's It doesn't see enough play because there's not a reason for it to see play, but it's it's a strong card. Um, No. Not strong. You've got no, no. no I'm not saying it's not no strong. Cards? I mean, no, you're wrong. I, I have no pet uh, cards. I you have like no pet cards. I, I mean, theoretically, I guess like Chandra would be that pet card. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. And, and like, I, I don't like. I love that card. I've like built it's, cards around her. I, I see her playing in like, all the time. Yeah, right. So great. like, I'm a fan of that card. I don't think it's considered a pet card though, because it sees playing Juns. And, sure. And like, yeah. it just happens that like I fell in love with the card. That's good. So. Yay for me. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds about right. You um, love that, Chandra. So yay for red modern cards. That's, if you love it so much, yeah. why don't you so those are, that's red, so you guys want to break down to the deck tech? I would, but I have to go. Oh, you're leaving? You aren't going to be yeah. up for the deck tech? That's fine. Fortunately. Well, well seeing as I had so much to uh, dedicate to the uh, the top ten red cards, <laughs> I think eight out of my ten choices were not legal. Um, <laughs> well, you, hey, you called you called Kiki Jiki. I did call time. Kiki and, and Splinter. And, and actually, if, uh, f- along with Fork was Reverberate on the list. So Reverberate. Re- 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 oh, we didn't say Reverberate. You did just, you guys? It's a card that's legal it's in the legal. format. It's legal, though. So <laughs> One of my enough. cards that I felt was underplayed that I figured was on your list was Inferno Titan. Did you? No, Infernal Titan was an honorable mention for us. So you can be found on Twitter at where? At J-F-W-O-N-G. Uh, you can also follow uh, the Command Cast, at Command Cast. It's called the Command Zone. We talk about Commander every single week. We do deck techs as well. Uh, we apparently uh, cater to the more casual player, which totally makes sense. Commander is not strictly uh, competitive the way that we play it, at least. Uh, but we do talk about the next level stuff. Yeah, the way Yeah, us guys <laughs> play it. The kitchen table version. Um, but we also do keep things competitive. We just talked about all the Commander of 2014 decks, what cards to cut, what cards to put in if you're playing on a popper budget. So we, we kind of cover the whole realm of things there, and so lots of good stuff there. And we are happy to announce that we are trying to drag Jimmy into a competitive circle of Magic play. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's you, probably How many standard decks do you have now? I have four. Okay. Though, to be honest, I'd say about 80% of the most expensive cards are borrowed from Craig. Like uh, Fair four thought seas and Fair four enough. heroes downfall, <laughs> um, and I have a mono red deck that costs twenty bucks. So okay, but beats all the other ones, so it makes me kind of happy cool. and sad at the same time. <laughs> and, then you're, and you're currently raising money for a web series. Yes, a musical web series called Band Aid. Uh, if you guys like musical web series, or if you just want to enter a sweepstakes to win a brand new car or jet ski. I mean, I think that's really the winner. I, I mean, I mentioned this before, but I want a jet ski. Can I just have the jet ski? Maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> Screw those guys. Uh, you know, we're all magic <laughs> Can I players. ride the jet ski? I don't actually want it that bad because I don't know where I You I'd can keep definitely it, ride like my to... jet ski. 
Wink. That's all I want to hear. <laughs> uh, you know, we're Magic players. We love value, and right now, there's nothing more valuable than a sweepstakes entry to potentially win a car or a jet ski, especially when your odds are incredibly good for what the monetary value of what you're receiving is. So. It's very rare that Magic uh, magic fundraising opportunities involve jet skis, even yeah. though this isn't a Magic fundraising opportunity. But there is a jet ski involved. <laughs> yeah, it's a better way to get your butt crack into the public. I'll just say that much. Uh, all right. You can add that one out. Just kidding, guys. All right, I'm out of here. Going to take my dog. Good luck with the deck tech. Thanks, Bye. Jimmy. Take care. Uh, so, you know, now that Jimmy's gone and his blasphemous un- lack of understanding of the modern format, <laughs> we're going to talk about Blue Red Delver. Now, Blue Red Delver is arguably the most powerful fo- deck in the format right now. This is off the back of um, uh, Swiss Beer, which we mentioned earlier, and Treasure Cruise, which everyone mentions all the time. And what this deck is really trying to do is it's landing an early threat and then protecting it with counter magic and... Uh, burn spells and preventing their opponent from doing anything with that counter magic or burn spell while your early threat is beating them in the face. It essentially the the reason that this deck has reemerged uh, or has emerged now with prominence is for the same reason that uh, it wasn't good for quite a while back when it was Rug Delver. It started out as Rug Delver when the format was first out. You would play Delver of Secrets, you would play Tarmogoyf, and you would in play... the history in the history of Magic. Rug Delver is the first list. It's a legacy, a legacy list. Deck. Then yeah. it got ported over to Modern. Well, in Modern, it was a uh, blue, white, red. It was just Guy Delver first, uh, and it was Geist of Saint Traff Delver, and it had Ponder and Preordain still in the format. It was trying to port it over from Standard, but that deck did better than uh, Teamer ever did. Sure. So, so that that's fine. I mean, essentially, this deck didn't see a lot of play because it didn't have a versatile second one drop. That's the problem. You you, you could right. play Goblin Guide, but it's 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 the printing of Swift Spear that makes Blue Red really, really, really powerful and right. consistent. Well, I mean, look at look at uh, Legacy in the le- this, like the comment that people make about this deck, and it's very true, is that this is literally the Legacy deck with four cards that are different. Right. Like instead of Force of Will. And days you're running uh, remand and mana leak. And that's right, the difference. <laughs> and that's and that's fair because the format doesn't need you to run force of will and days because it doesn't have any There's turn no one turn, yeah. two combo. Yeah, you don't need that. In fact, like and in the format, arguably remand is better because you gain value off of it, and it just is backbreaking when you remand a treasure cruise or dig through time. Exactly. So so if you, you look at the threat base, and it's basically it's it's between twelve and sixteen threats. Uh, which are basically Delver, Swift Spear, Snapcaster, and Young Pyromancer. I think I think standard lists are four Pyromancer, four Swift Spear, four uh, Delver, and two Snapcaster Mage. So yeah, basically, and, yeah. and depending on the matchup, it's you'll end up shifting it around probably. But that's that's generally speaking yeah. where you start. And uh, it's because you don't want too high of a density of two drops, and you want to maximize your mana efficiently, so you don't right. need to well, have. And the issue with Snapcaster Mage is it works against your Treasure Cruise plan. Right. But at the end of the day, it is still a flash two-powered yeah, beater, so it's fine. Um, obviously, Lightning Bolt is very, very good. Mana Leak and Remand we mentioned. Spell Pierce and Spell Snare get played in some number, yeah, depending I mean, on the list. If you look at the deck, there are actually there are four different types of cards it's playing. Threats, which you just mentioned. Permission, which are cards that kind of prevent your opponent from doing things. Generally speaking, soft counters. Soft counters um, or bounce spells. So you have, like, or removal. So Spell Snare... Spell Pierce, both counter spells, Remand, Mana Leak, all these are you know counter spells that delay the game, letting your one drop threat kind of beat into their face. Lightning Bolt, which removes their creatures, you know these are kind of like, you, these are things that allow you to kind of tempo your opponent out. Um, next are card draw and slash cantrips. Right. Um, these are the cards that kind of like a with your Swiss Spears and your Young Pyromancers kind of let them gain the value that you need them to. These are the spells that go along with them. 
but they also make it so your deck is just super consistent. These are the cards that just let you have super high velocity where you're just continuously churning through your deck, gaining value, getting the cards you need, letting you play less lands so that you can have more gas as the game goes through. These are cards like, you know, Gitaxian Pro, which lets you, you know, draws you a card for free and lets you see your opponent's hand. Uh, Serum Visions, which is kind of the premier version of this because it lets you set your Delver up so it flips better. It's just the worst version of Ponder, it's basically. Just, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, I mean, I've, I've compared this to Batman many times where yeah. it's not necessarily the hero we want, but it is the hero we deserve. Right, sure, sure. <laughs> um, you know, and like there's, you know, some like slightly on the fringe ones. Is it Charm I saw is seeing a little bit more play than it was because among the fact that it lets you dig through, it, like it helps with delve. It also is a soft removal spell and a soft counter, so it does like kind of all these things. You this deck is trying to do. It's a good card. Um, and lastly, Treasure Cruise lets you draw a bunch of cards. Cards <laughs> just bananas. Like all all these cards, what they really do is they put a bunch of spells in your graveyard very quickly and let Treasure Cruise continue that cruising down the road of damaging your opponent to death. Good joke. Uh, it's funny that <laughs> if you play efficient threats and surround it with marginal effects and cantrips, your deck's usually good in any format. Right. It's bizarre mm. how that works. Uh, way to go, Magic. Let's just keep making cantrips. Well, in, in, in essence, it's something that really breaks one of the hard, fast rules of Magic is your deck has 60 cards and you can only have, and that's a minimum. So all these cantrips let you kind of cheat on that because for one mana, yeah. you your deck is more and more consistent for every cantrip. You that's play. why that's and that's why I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. Like the the Phyrexian mana spells are so so unique in Magic. They're such an interesting modern design because you're not supposed to be able to play things for life. That's that's right. like that's and like by a legacy you mean effect. Broken. Yeah, I mean I, I don't <laughs> think anybody would tell you that like Gitaxian Probe or Mutagenic Growth are broken cards. They're just they're just unique cards. And anytime right, but I think someone would tell you that Mental Mist Up is a broken card and. There's an argument made that Birthing Pot is a broken card. Agreed. And, and I mean, obviously, Misstep was banned very quickly. Right. The, the thing, the reason that they're so good and the reason that they function very well in this deck when a lot of us play Gutshot and they already play Gitaxian Probe is because when I think when the designers are sitting around a table and they're tossing out card ideas, there are some things that they check in with. This is sort of what we talked about with Glenn a couple weeks ago where I was just saying, isn't there somebody there who's just sort of checking? And I think there are some things that get looked at like Phyrexian mana spells are one of those things I just think people don't think about it very often. They're off color. They're unique abilities. They're very marginal. Well, most of them are very marginal. But the one drop ones, the ones that you get for free for zero, you know, those are the generally they're marginal effects. You know, and like some of them are like relatively format dependent. Like, for instance, Gutshot, which sees play a lot now, isn't as valuable in a format where you don't need a free spell. And there aren't a lot of X1s out there. How much do you think they considered the uh, the, the Gitaxian probes and Gutshots of the world when they designed Swift Spear? I mean, how much do you think they looked at it and they were like... I definitely is... think they were aware of it. Aaron Forsyth, Mark Rose, all of them, every public face of Wizards has said multiple times, they do not test for modern and legacy. Right. They just don't. They test for standard because that's the resources they have available. They do some vague looking at older formats to see, like, is this obviously broken? Is this obviously going to just ruin the format? And if it's not, like... In your face, blatant like a problem, then they're not going to worry about it. Blatant question: Were the Phyrexian mana spells a mistake? I love them, but probably yes. Yeah, I think they were too. I think I think they're the only exciting thing for me out of Scars of Mirrodin block. Agreed. Um, I think that th that set, New Phyrexia, was the only set I really loved out of that block. So among that, and that is set. one of the reasons. It's got the Praetors. It's got the third sword it has the, it has the praetors as the third sword i mean it does everything that block was trying to do 
in a way that's awesome. And yeah. it even probably does infect the best way, mm-hmm. where every color has access to it, kind of. And, like, it, it's one of the few small sets I actually like doing triple versus doing yeah. how they're supposed to be drafted. But... I digress. Yeah, I, <laughs> digressing. More the point, I think it probably was a mistake as a mechanic, but generally free mechanics are. And yeah, they know that. That's exactly But I point. would I would also love to see it return. <laughs> so would I. It's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's right. It's fun magic. So I think they learned how to temper it better. I, I think I think free Phyrexian mana spells are probably a mistake. But then again, would we really enjoy it if it came back and it wasn't good? Most of those spells well, are no, no, just but bad. Can, I don't think it's like Storm as much of a problem where you're stuck with like there's no way to make this interesting. With yeah. It. But like Birthing Pod, for instance, is probably a little over the power level, as is Phyrexian Metamorph. But I think those are fine sure. with the Phyrexian mana. I think that's the Phyrexian fair. mana allows those to be kind of interesting. I think if you temper them the way you do artifacts, they'll work. But when you start putting them on spells and making those spells for free is when you can run into problems. I mean, I think it, you could see a design where it was something a little more complicated, like uh, it's it's mana leak with a blue Phyrexian mana spell, except it's if you pay life to use the ability, it's a force spike. Like, Right. Or, or even less complicated, just like mana leak, Phyrexian mana for a, like Phyrexian mana, blue regular mana, colorless. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 fair. So mana like is a, a still better mana leak even like mana leak, but for four instead of three. Yeah. So like, that, anyway, we're we're totally yeah, going yeah, on a yeah. tangent, but I think we both understand that th- that kind of card design is what makes a deck like this so good. Right. And this kind of brings us to the last area of what the deck's trying to do, which is the removal suite. And you know, on the front of that is Gutshot, yep. which is you know what it, the reason it's important is a the format is now overrun with X ones. Yep. And on top of that, it does really powerful things with Young Pyromancer and Swiftspear. Sure. Um. Even Snapcaster Mage, theoretically. And then beyond that, you have Lightning Bolt, yep. which we've talked about already is the best card ever, <laughs> at so least good. in red. Uh, is it Charm? Electrolyze, Pillar of Flame, and Vapor Snag. These are all kind of cards that stop players, especially in early turns, while keeping up your velocity and letting your treasure crews get stronger and stronger. Yeah, I mean, so if you look at so many of these cards, it's, it's like format to format. They're just mostly cards that got played in various versions of Delver decks over the years. They're just, you know what I mean? Half these cards I played in the American Delver list from Standard like a year and a half ago. Right. It's just, that's just the they way fi- it works. They finally got, like, really what Treasure Cruise and Swiss Beer allowed them to get is they finally got a one-drop that's powerful enough, and they finally got a card draw engine that allows it to kind of smooth out what's going on in the deck. Yeah, it's fair. All but, right, so let's let's talk about sort of the gauntlet. We wrote down five decks here. Burn, Scape, Shift, Affinity, Splinter Twin, and Ascendancy. And so those... Burn's the new one on this list. Uh, I recently added it. Um, partly off of like just Moto in general is Burn and, and Splinter Twin, or not, sorry, it's Burn and Delver, and that's pretty much all Magic the Gathering Online is right now. Who plays first in this matchup is, I think, almost the whole matchup. It's so, so important. Right. I think there is some sideboard things you can do. I think that uh, Dragon Claw, yeah, is very strong in this matchup because, like, as soon as it's in play, Half of your cards gain you life, and all of their cards gain you life. Completely yeah. undoing what they're trying to do. And that's, yeah, that, again, that's like that inbred sideboard deck. I think I think you're favored. I think Delver is favored in the matchup, but I think it, this is one of the closer ones in the format. It's hard, though, because if, you, if you're if you on the draw, they're going to be able to kill your threat before you can protect your threat. And if you give the long game to let them draw more cards without playing aggressively, they're going to be able to burn you out. So it, right. it's Agreed. in game one, it's really difficult. If you go first and you can play your spell... If they wanted, if they want to kill it, that's fine. But if you go second and they already have the mana to kill your guy, and then on turn two play their right. creature and you have nothing and you have no mana open, it's it's a very difficult match matchup to, uh, and it's it's very frustrating as a player that enjoys Delver and that kind of deck when you can't protect your threats and your threats die early. That's the easiest way to lose right. those games. And I think Burn is one of the re- Burn has gone so popular right now is because it does have a decent matchup against Delver yeah. versus other decks. And I think that the fact that you have 
counter magic is your only saving grace in this format because all of your counter magic is good against them other right. than maybe mana leak and even then if like the thing with burn the more lands you draw the worse you're going to do sure so by the time they're able to start paying for mana leak they're already losing yeah. So it, it's kind of a like a win-win situation where you actually are probably a deck that can interact with them on a level that they normally don't have interaction. I mean, realistically, look, if you play a Delver on turn one, you flip a mana leak, you're probably gonna win that game. So right. <laughs> and that's gonna be the case in a lot of in a lot of these cases. So if you move over to Scape Shift, which is a complete opposite from Burn, I mean it burns you out in the same way using uh obviously Valka. Damage, but, but yeah. <laughs> but it's it's totally different in the sense that if 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 I play first and I flip a mana leak off by Delver you probably have no chance of beating me. I mean, that's if you're Scape Shift. Yeah, you're yeah, just, yeah, yeah, it's too slow of a deck. It's the, it's the. I think I think the thing that Scape Shift wins with is inevitability, where there's no like eventually they're going to kill you, and Delver just has to kind of race them to that extent. Right, right. But the other thing you have to remember is this is one of the few other decks out there with counter magic, and like all of it, is, all it is is counter magic, and then mana ramp, and so like you have to kind of get around that counter magic. Which is possible, but might it interacts with Delver in a different way, and this is a deck that's also much more consistent due to dig through time. Yeah, true, true enough. I mean, it, as with any of these matchups, it's if they get a really good draw against you and they have the the, right. the foil for your one plan, you, you probably won't be able to recover and kill them fast enough. But then again, you have a lot of burn, so you might be able to if you go long, just draw. And the when right it comes cards. down to it, I'm playing Devil's Advocate to an extent. I think Delver's better than every one of these decks. <laughs> um, now, Affinity, this is a really interesting one because they're faster than you ultimately. Mm -hmm. And you're, you, you don't have enough mana available and enough spells available to take out the crucial threats in the first three turns of the game if they have an explosive draw. You'll probably lose this game if they get the right draw, and especially if they go first and get the right draw. This is the this is the specific matchup that I think stuff like Gutshot, um, Electrolyze, and what's the other card that... Gutshot, Electrolyze, Pillar of Flame, no, Lightning Bolt. Split it to two. Oh, Fork Bolt. Uh, I think this is the matchup that Gutshot, Electrolyze and Forked Bolt are the most important. I think you have enough removal spells that are really good against them that you can kind of gain an edge there. The thing I'm really afraid of right now is that I think, um, as we said last week, Affinity could very, very, very easily just put in for um, Chalice of the Void. That, yeah, that's and then, true. And then what do you do again? And then like, and it's not as much of a dead card because it turns on their Metalcraft. Right, yeah. It also could just be, like, worst case scenario, they play it on zero so that they can, like start like just using metalcraft as early as possible and worst case scenario it's a five five artifact creature that starts swinging in on turn two <laughs> so like it's a deck that can play that card and that card is still very good against you as we talked about last week sure and mind you that's in game two you bring in your shatter storms or your, yeah, your shattering spree is supported really nicely because it's a two color deck that can play a lot of red you're really you're really going to be able to get a lot of value and the nice thing is because you have card selection out of your serum visions you will likely be able to draw into Shattering Spree if you sideboard several of them in. So I think post-board, you're, you're pretty strong against them. Um, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, this deck, because of all of its cantrips, is breaking one of the cardinal rules of magic of, like, inconsistency due to deck size. Yeah. And so, like, your sideboard is much easier to get your hands on. Yeah, I think when you look at the next deck in this in this can the cannon, which is Splinter Twin, this is a real chess match of, of a matchup. Yeah, I think this is, this is the hardest matchup in the format for... Delver. More than one reason. Um, first of all, one of one of their combo pieces is a one four with flash that can tap down your attacker. Right. It's, it's so that's such a tempo play against the deck that's trying to push damage in the first four turns that when you when you can bring down, let's say you have two attackers that aren't Delver, you can bring it down. You can block a Snapcaster Mage. You can block a Swift Spear to a certain point and tap down the other creature. It just slows Delver down so much, especially if they've grown their Swift Spear pre combat. So that's that's really hard to navigate, and you probably won't have enough hard counter spells to out 
outdo their counter spells if you get to turn right. six and turn seven. I think they're doing kind of what Scapeshift is trying to do, but actually, <laughs> like right. they're more consistent and they interact you on levels that you have trouble interacting with. And they can just win out of left field on your end step and make it so you can't really compete with them. So it really becomes like who's playing Magic better more than any other one of these matchups. And post-board, you can't just Blood Moon them out, which, right. is, which is really good against Scapeshift and terrible against Splinter Twin. <laughs> I've seen Splinter Twin less back in the day. They just played three Blood Moons main right. deck. It's not a bad plan. So that's, of, of these lists, these decks so far, Splinter Twin is probably the hardest one to just beat outright. I, th I think it's mostly on the back of Deceiver Exarch. That's like, that card is backbreaking for you. It blocks all your creatures, you can't kill it, and it wins the game instantly if it stays on board. Yeah, yeah, you don't have an easy way to get rid of it. Right. It's it's pretty hard to you kill. You have to double bolt it with Snapcaster Mage, I think, or like, yeah, or two bolt, like two burn spells. Yeah. Um, Ascendancy, which is obviously one of the newer villains of the format, it's, it's pretty favorable for you if they don't just go crazy on like, I guess if you're on the draw, but you your can... biggest problem is if they get a carotid down and then they get ascendancy when you tap out for some reason. Yeah, but you still and even you if they even if they do, you're you're still running uh, spell snare often in the main deck. So even on the draw, if you well, no, no, if you're tapped out, if if you have any counter magic up, they can't beat you. Yeah, it's and so that's that's pretty and they good don't have interaction you. with you. I think you just overrun them. You can kill their mana dorks. I, I honestly think like right now ascendancy isn't that good because of how good blue red delver is, and I yeah. think it's just a bad matchup for them. In a future where Blue Red Delver isn't as good, say after a banning of cards, if they don't ban Ascendancy, Ascendancy will immediately become a problem. I think this is a deck that preys on Ascendancy very easily because it kills all their stupid dorks, yep. it counters their spells, it gets threats on the board before they start doing anything, so when they're trying to do stuff, they're already doing their thing, so it's not a problem. It's really just like not a good deck against Delver. Yeah, I think you're seeing decks now show up in the format like Jeskai Flash that are a lot of like four toughness creatures, right. flash spells, discard, uncounterable wraths, and these are these are cards that are kind of intended to, to beat Delver. So the question becomes, it's only several weeks into the format that we've really now seen this like three, four weeks that it's like a house. Yeah. It, it's very possible that the metagame will shift away from it if, if too many decks start to become popular that are just good against it. Right. Because it, it is, as we've said, it's... I think it's there, not that hard to I, hate out. Of the out. list we've talked about, there are three decks that are decent against it, or like have a game plan against it. I think Burn, Affinity, and Splinter Twin all give Delver a huge problem. I think a four-deck metagame, though, isn't exactly the most interesting place right. to be. Absolutely. Um, I think that you know the blue-red-white flash decks, but really the blue-white-red flash decks are kind of a, a amalgamation of what Splinter Twin and Delver are. In right. Just they like. They're kind of doing, like, they're kind of tempo, but they're playing on their end step, and they're playing with stack magic, and it's, like, it's all kind of the same gameplay style that I don't think is super healthy for the format. And they're also just a little bit different from, like, Blue-White-Red Flash that was a deck anyway. It's it's a similar deck. It's only... It's just it's, playing removal that's more specific to the format that we're in. <laughs> yeah, but, and that's fine. I mean, it just... I mean, Delver knew that when it was right. it started. People started playing it. It's not like that deck wasn't around. It's just that's just being tuned a little bit more to beat. And that's it's that's a good matchup against Delver. You have a good matchup against it. So good is strong. I think it's a deck that has game against Delver. Supreme Verdict's really good against Delver. <laughs> it's super super you good. I mean, you just don't play your threats. I mean, yes, it is. But I think that Delver still is. Yeah, it's fine. Good Helix. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I think I think it's a good matchup. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Anyway, that uh, that pretty much wraps that up. We've already spoken about the command cast. Yeah, while Jimmy, Jimmy kind of here. Here's the thing, you know, make sure you guys look up Jimmy. Follow us on Twitter, and our Twitter is the at the MM cast. Yep. Uh, and then I'm at Kess Wiley, and I am at Ben underscore Bateman. As I've said before, I definitely prefer Ben Bateman Media at Instagram. If you want to just do that, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm good with either one. 
Um, lastly, you know, we're going to be coming out every week. Keep listening, and we'll see you next week. Awesome. See you guys soon. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.